from API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm Jane Van Ryan, your host. And today I have with me an actor, economist, lawyer, teacher, and well-known performer for both television and movies, Ben Stein. And Ben, we've got a number of questions we'd like to ask you today having to do with energy and its importance to our way of life. So if you're ready, we'll just begin. Please, please. So, Ben, in your estimation, just how important is oil and natural gas to the economy and to our way of life? Well, that's like asking how important is blood to life. It is absolutely vital. It is life or death. It is everything. Uh, If you imagine a person trying to live without blood, or imagine a person trying to live without oxygen, that's sort of what it would be like trying to live without oil and natural gas right now. Someday, far into the future, that may be different. But right now, it's all about oil and natural gas. They power our industry. They heat and cool our homes. They power our transportation. What's a fascinating thing to do is to drive around an airport. Like if you land at a remote terminal, look at all the cars, trucks, trams, airplanes, everything, all running on oil, all that's been brought from far, far away, not all, but but pretty darn far away, and uh, all refined and made into our way of life and making the essence of our way of life. We would not have any way of life besides chaos, endless civil war, and bloodshed without an abundance of oil and natural gas. So uh, important doesn't even start to convey it. I mean, it's like saying how important is heartbeat to life. And natural gas, similar. I mean, it is an amazing thing. Nobody takes it uh, as anything but for granted. You just flip a switch in your home, it's warm. Flip a switch on school. For those of us who live in some parts of the country, flip a switch in your pool or your jacuzzi is warm. It's an amazing thing. And all of it takes a lot of work to get. It doesn't just come automatically. It's not just piped in by magic. It takes an incredible lot of work by an incredible lot of people to get that oil and natural gas in its uh, ultimately usable forms to us. And uh, just for me, I'm very grateful every time I fill up. I'm very grateful every time I turn on the heat. I'm very grateful every time I turn on the gas to make a cup of tea. I'm very, very grateful every time I go swimming in my pool, which I have to do because uh, I don't want to die young from lack of exercise. Uh, It's incredibly important, and I am very grateful to the people who bring that oil and natural gas to us. In your view, just how important will oil and natural gas be in the future? Look, we we in the United States talk a lot about alternative sources of fuel like uh, switchgrass or ethanol and so forth, and they're important and they're they're very good stuff. But we are using them for a minuscule percentage of our total uh, resources for uh, transportation, heating, power. Oil and natural gas are it. I mean, coal is very important too. Nuclear is somewhat less important. But the essence is oil and natural gas. And uh, all this talk about alternative sources and wave energy and wind energy, they're all great stuff, and I hope we can use more of it. But but oil and natural gas are going to be the bedrock of our society and all industrialized societies for the foreseeable future. And the goal here is to get more of it and to stop putting up roadblocks to getting it and to stop criticizing the people who bring it to us. You know, I am endlessly fascinated by the diatribes against the oil companies. 
It's like having a diatribe against your own heart and lungs. It's like having a diatribe against your liver. It's like having a diatribe against your kidneys. We need these entities very, very badly, and it's a lucky thing that they don't go slink off because of hurt feelings and say, all right, then go get your own oil and gas. But being dependent on oil and natural gas does indeed make some people somewhat uncomfortable. They say that relying on oil makes us too dependent on foreign sources and that we should become energy independent. What do you think about well, that? Well, it would be nice, just like it would be, ni- be nice to live forever or to be thin without having to diet or exercise. But uh, it's just not going to happen. I mean, we, we had a finite amount of uh, oil and gas in the United States, so we're using it much, much faster than we're producing it. Uh, so we have to get it from overseas. And, you know, we, we would like, it would be nice if we had enough of it so we didn't have to be dependent on other countries. But those other countries are not really doing anything bad to us. They're accepting our dollars. They're using those dollars very, very often to invest in the United States of America to provide jobs and employment and stability in the United States of America. It isn't really hurting us at this point to be dependent on them. At some point in the future, that is a possibility. But so far, our main suppliers of oil and natural gas have been extremely cooperative and easy to deal with. So, as I say, that could change, but there's no sign of it changing right now. And uh, there's no country in the world that's completely energy independent. I mean, even the Saudis, by far the largest source of oil in the world at this point, have to import some refined oil products such as gasoline. So nobody's completely energy independent. And uh, for us to be energy independent would be a, a dramatic, dramatic wrench in American life. It could be done, but it would mean we'd all have to be riding around on bicycles. And I'm not sure how many people want to ride bicycles to work. So... Uh, I think we're going to have to be uh, energy independent in our dreams, but in real life, where so many things disappoint us, we're going to have to be energy dependent. I mean, reality is that we're energy dependent, and we've got to work with it. Work with what you've got. That's what we've got. Well, having said that, though, Ben, do you think that we should be drilling more uh, for our own oil and gas here in the United States? Oh, absolutely. It, It is incredibly important that we get all the oil and natural gas we can out of the United States. It shocks me that people will say, oh, you're going to disturb the caribou. Oh, you're going to disturb some kind of grass out in the tundra. Obviously, we want to protect the caribou. They're nice creatures. But for heaven's sake, getting people to work, getting them to their jobs, getting the hospital generator to stay working while people are having heart surgery, that's more important. It's incredibly important that we keep the society running. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mad Max about a futuristic world where there's no or almost no gasoline. That's what America, that's what the world would be like without gasoline, without oil, without gas. We've got to get it while we can. In the future, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, we'll have to rely on some other source probably. But for the foreseeable future, let's use what we've got. Ben, global oil prices are continuing to hover in about the $90, maybe $95 range, and some people blame the oil companies for that, while others blame speculators and other factors. Why do you think oil prices have risen to those levels in recent months? Well, it has a lot to do with the fact that there is gigantic demand coming from the developing countries of the world. That is, of all the increased demand, something like 80% in the last five years comes from the developing countries of Asia, China, India, Thailand, Taiwan, Korea. They're the ones that are sucking up huge amounts of incremental oil uh, production, and they're the ones who are driving price up. In part, it's speculators. I mean, 
Uh, speculators move markets enormously in the short run. They can move them tremendously for a day or a week or even a month. But in the long run, it's a supply-demand equation, and uh, the supply is uh, is growing, but it's not growing fast enough, and the demand is growing unbelievably fast. Look, the fact is, oil is a miracle fuel. Per unit of weight, per unit of volume, it provides an astounding amount of energy. That's what makes it so valuable. It's it's easy to transport. It's easy to refine. Relatively easy. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it in my basement, but it's relatively easy to do. Oil is not just some gooey, horrible thing. It's an amazingly useful product, an amazingly useful product. I mean, people say to me, what's the fuel of the future? I say, it's oil. That's going to be the fuel of the future for a very long time. Natural gas, that's another fuel of the future. It's going to be the fuel of the future for a long time. There are people, though, that believe that the companies that go after oil and natural gas are simply way too big and that they make too much money. What do you think of that comment? Well, the U.S. oil companies are very small compared with the big foreign oil companies. I mean, even the biggest U.S. oil companies uh, are tiny compared with the uh, national oil companies in Saudi Arabia or in Mexico or in Venezuela. So I think our problem is that the U.S. oil companies are too small, not too big. And as far as their profits, I mean, that's a matter of record. They make very large amounts of profits compared with what I earn each year, but very small on a percentage basis compared with what high-tech companies make or what finance companies make. And something that always bugs the heck out of me, Jane, is that people say to me, oh, look at how much money all the oil companies make. And I say, well, who at the oil company are you mad at? Are you mad at the guy in the pickup truck bringing the pizzas to the guys working on the rig? Are you mad at the guys on the rig getting uh, wind and rain and sleet and snow in their face and getting frozen and getting pneumonia from working out in the cold? Are you mad at the people who serve the meals in the company cafeteria? Are you mad at the people who file the papers with the regulatory agencies? Are you mad at the people who maintain the pipelines? Who are you angry at? And if they say, well, the top brass, well, okay, we all are envious of people who make more money than than we do. But the people at the oil companies, with a very tiny few exceptions, make pennies compared with what people on Wall Street make. And it's extremely hard for me to see, and I'm an economist and I've followed Wall Street all my life, it's very hard for me to see what value Wall Street adds compared with the value that the oil executives add. I mean, the oil executives make life possible in an industrial society. The people who work on Wall Street are just speculators and gamblers. We could live without Wall Street forever. They closed down Wall Street at the beginning of World War One for about six months. It didn't phase the country a bit. They could close it down again for another six months. It wouldn't phase the country a bit. But if you closed down oil production for six months, it would be a savage society. We'd be back to the Stone Age. Well, based on that, then, why do you think so many Americans tend to demonize the oil companies? I think because, uh, one, uh, they go back to the days of John D. Rockefeller and they think, oh, there's a little cabal, a little conspiracy of men meeting in a cave somewhere who are setting oil prices and are ripping us off. That's not true. Oil prices are set on international markets. They're set in free give and take. Speculators have a lot to do with it, but over long periods of time, it's free give and take. Nobody's fixing prices. There have been many, many uh, investigations. There's never been one that found that there was oil price fixing for about the last 50 years. 
second, so people go back to the Rockefeller days and they think it's still the Rockefeller days, but it isn't. Second is that politicians like to demonize the oil companies because they need a target for their own failures and mistakes. And they'll always, like all human beings, like to blame their problems on someone else. And third, people are often angry at those they're dependent on. I know I have a child who until recently was a teenager, and he would be very angry at me all the time. And it was clearly because he was dependent on me. I mean, teenagers are dependent on their parents, and so they get very angry at their parents. But uh, grown-up, adult-thinking people should be uh, happy and grateful that they're those they can be dependent on instead of being angry at them. And, and that should be our way of behaving, too. I mean, we should be grateful to people who help us out by powering our cars, powering our trucks, powering our homes, and our places of business, our hospitals, our schools, our airplanes. That's uh, that's basic good sense. To be angry at them just makes no sense at all. Yet it is, I'm sorry to say, human nature. Well, it is human nature. That is true. Um, but we also recently conducted a survey that found that many Americans are really badly misinformed about energy, and they tend to form opinions about energy based on inaccurate information. In your view, what should be on, done? On energy and on many other subjects as well. Well, I think that's true. I would agree with that. So what do you think should be done? How should we as a society find a way to help more people understand America's energy challenges? Well, uh, you know, there is a uh, there is a possibility of educating a certain number of people. Uh, generally, if you get to people who are well-educated and you explain to them the facts, such as that American oil companies are tiny players in the world markets, such as that American energy companies don't set the price, such as that the price is set by gigantic global forces way beyond the control of any American oil company or group of oil companies, eventually they'll believe it if you because it is true i mean you know there's something that martin luther king jr used to say truth crushed to earth will rise again and no lie can last forever and he, martin luther king jr used to say the arc of history is long but it inclines towards truth and i think eventually if there is enough effort made by the people who trust and believe in the oil companies and the natural gas companies and the energy companies to educate us about the truth, uh, the truth will get out. But uh, it won't. Not, there'll be some people who will always be angry. They just are psychologically invested in being angry, and they'll always be angry. But uh, there are plenty of people who can be taught the truth, and our job is to work with and on those people. And uh, I, that's what I try to do all the time. I mean, I'm. Uh, I consider it my own little crusade because uh, years and years ago. My father uh, said to me when I was mad at the oil companies during the Arab oil embargo in uh, 73, 74, I said, oh, the oil companies make so much money. He said, well, if you think they make too much money, buy stock in them. And I did buy some stock in them. And believe me, I saw that stock go up and I saw it go down. So I know the oil companies are not in a position to just make all the money they want. And uh, I'm uh, I'm committed to doing what I can to make people understand the true energy situation so that we'll have more energy. I, I don't want to ever go up to the gas station again like I did in the early 70s now that I have signs up saying no gasoline today. I don't want that ever to happen again, and I want to do whatever I can to make sure the energy keeps flowing. As you know, the United States right now is in the middle of the presidential campaign season, and if you were running for president, what would you tell your fellow Americans about energy? Well, I'd say, first of all, conserve it. Don't use it wastefully. It's uh, not an infinite resource, and uh, we should be careful about it. I mean, 
I think in every family there should be someone uh, who is in charge of turning off the lights when people leave the room, of making sure that people wear sweaters instead of just turning up the heat as high as they can have it. I think in every business there should be somebody who goes around turning off lights when people aren't in rooms, and turning off computers when people aren't using them, and turning off the heat or air conditioning when people aren't in a room. Uh, I think that's a basic uh, thing that we should be doing. I think people, if they uh, feel comfortable, should be driving smaller cars, only if they feel comfortable doing them. Uh, I think we'll all eventually be driving smaller cars, but for the time being, uh, do it if you feel comfortable and safe in it. The main thing, though, is don't punish the goose that lays the golden egg. The oil companies go to a lot of trouble. They go all over the world, and they are bringing us a vital resource that we could not live without. Let's not torture them. Let's not tax them to death. Let's not regulate them to death. Let's encourage them and get on the same team with them. And whatever problems we have with them, let's work on those problems in a cooperative spirit. We cannot live without oil and gas. We cannot live without the oil and gas companies. We need them for every aspect of our lives, very importantly, including the national defense. Let's all get on the same page and work together. We're, there's no reason to be fighting the oil companies. That's like being, as I said, like fighting your own heart and lungs. We need them. We can't live without them. Let's all work together for an energy future that makes sense and doesn't just satisfy sick psychological needs, but one that satisfies real economic needs. Ben Stein, thank you so much. I really hope you'll join us again on Energy Tomorrow Radio. I will be honored to do so. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.